Hello, everyone. It's a delight to be here. I think it's at least five years since Janet and I were in this uh, church. I think that's about right. Would you say? Yeah, something like that. And it's uh, it's great to be back. We um, we met Ron, your pastor in Michigan in April and for the first time. And I think that's where this invitation originates. Our son got married to somebody that that he married. I mean, he married the uh, the couple. And so that's how we we met him. That's that's the background of of uh, of our relationship. And we're delighted to be back here again. As you can probably see, we are working a little bit with us. Am I I might only here, right? We're worked only. Uh, Uh, we're working with a sea theme today, water. You know, the, the scripture has water and desert a lot in it, water and desert. And it seems like God's people are moving in places where faith is necessary as they literally travel water and desert. But most of the time we only think about water right? or, or desert, actually, the Moses in the wilderness and Abraham went around and Jesus in the desert. But but I like the water part because I have to theologically justify sailing biblically. It's biblical. And, and, every, and so I have searched out all of the, you know, the concords with references to water because uh, I knew it was in there somewhere. And I was delighted to find that it's really in there a lot. So today we're going to go to uh, to see. The church at sea, and I hope uh, maybe we could dim. There we go. That might help just a little bit. The church at sea, and I'm going to I'm going to walk you through um, some maybe unfamiliar story. You heard about it this morning, or it was the, in the scripture reading. That the one with Jesus in the boat is very familiar. But we're going to tie those two together and see if there's something to 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 learn of those really detailed stories that we normally don't think about the literal. Uh, application very much. So here we go. The church at sea. You can see a boat here. This is kind of a first century woodcut of a boat, which almost always pictures of that time show the sea as dangerous. I understand the kids had Jonah uh, in their in their Bible school, and that's the only one of the only Old Testament stories about the sea, and it's full of danger. And that's pretty much by the time of Jesus, how the Jews looked at the sea, the sea and the book of Acts. There's something really interesting happens when you get to the book of Acts. Bible and the book of Acts. The Bible is an action story and it's the only sacred manuscript with maps in the back with with uh, real places. And these maps are full of colored lines that show routes and journeys that people took. Old and New Testament. The book of Acts is um, good to call the book of action or the book of actors. That's why Acts is in there. And the book of Acts is pivotal. Almost all of the action before Acts is east of the shore of Palestine. We'll put a map up here, a very familiar map that you would have in the back of your own Bibles. And all of you draw a line right like that. All of the Old Testament and the Gospels fit in that corner of the map. It's almost all desert. Um, hardly anything else. A few rivers 
And that's where the empires are. But the rest is kind of desert or semi-arid desert. The first several chapters of Acts, if you think about it, move us westward toward the western boundary of Palestine. Right there. Joppa, Caesarea, Antioch, Gaza. All are mentioned in the first, all are seaports. All are mentioned in the first several chapters of Acts. Beginning in Acts with Paul, almost all of the action is west. It's out in here. None of it is in here except a teeny little bit um, after, after Paul meets Jesus on the road to Damascus. He comes to Jerusalem a couple of times, and it's not a good experience. And everything else is west of that line right here. This and west. That's a significant change, and it's very, very important for us. The stage in Acts and the rest of the New Testament after Acts 13 is the Mediterranean Sea. It's all about people who live around the sea, who are familiar with it. And all of the letters written to by Paul after Acts, um, almost all, are from people living along the sea. There's a little bit of a. Galatians, probably not, but there are people who are familiar with the sea. The Mediterranean Sea is the liquid pagan center of the first century world. If you take a map of that world, you have the Mediterranean Sea and the Roman Empire surrounding it entirely by the end of the first century. They learned how to use the sea. Now, if you look at the Jews, they were people of the land up until this point. Um, they got their God is they meet in the desert as far from the sea as you can get on top of a mountain is where he gives them the law. They did not like the sea. Remember the Jonah story? That's typical. And the sea is where evil lurks. There's beasts in the sea and you see them in Revelation again um, where God is not. That's why Jonah went that way instead of the other way. Where enemies come from constantly. Philistines, Phoenicians, Greeks, and Romans all invade or are or, or sea people or use the sea for their armies. And where the unclean washes in. Remember Peter in Joppa, a seaport? That's where he gets the vision of the unclean. A very good place to get the vision because that's where it comes from. The people bring it who invade. Ah, until Jesus. Remember, we have a boat here. Jesus is the first prophet, holy person in the Bible besides Jonah who uses a boat. The Sea of Galilee. Jesus' choice to minister on or around the Sea of Galilee is extremely important, not just because he can get places, but because of what it represents. Even though he grows up in a very rural area out in the middle of the countryside in Galilee, in Nazareth, he chose Capernaum, Capernaum as a fishing village or a fishing village on the Sea of Galilee as the center of his ministry. And he called several fishermen to become his disciples and they become key leaders of this movement then that goes begins there it goes into the rest of the world and the question is why why did jesus go to a sea it's it's barely mentioned at all in the whole bible until jesus why does he choose fishermen who are far away from the norm of of jewish 
behavior and people. And why do these fishermen become the key leaders? All very, very good questions. So we're going to kind of see if we can figure this out. Now, Paul, like several others Jesus called, was a man of the sea, born in a seaport. What Jesus began on the Sea of Galilee, Paul continues on a bigger body of water that's very similar in many ways on the Mediterranean. The Apostle Paul became the main mission voyager in the book of Acts, and he followed Jesus into the Roman Empire, sharing the good news of the kingdom of God and learning as he went. You're going to uh, see Paul maybe in a, in a little bit different way. Let's follow Paul. Let's get in this boat, not this one, but in a, in a boat that, that is similar to the one we have up on the screen occasionally. A small, it would fit about crossways in this uh, sanctuary. The boats that Paul used mostly with a square sail. And travel with him from Antioch on his first missionary journey to Cyprus. Um, here is the place in Antioch where they say the early, the very first church that called themselves Christians met. It's in a cave, and this is the wall on the outside of it. Church of Antioch decided to send Paul Barnabas into the empire with the good news of the kingdom of God, and they took John Mark along with him. So there's three mentioned in Acts. They set off from here. This is Seleucia, and it's the port of Antioch. And they begin their first journey on a small cargo ship bound for the island of Cyprus. Barnabas is from Cyprus, so he's kind of going home. Paul may or may not have been there before. John Mark, if it's the one we think it is, probably never set foot in a boat before. <laughs> Maybe in the Sea of Galilee, but not in the Salt Sea. And so they take off. Now, what I want to do is to follow them and learn what they learned, if possible, on this trip, aboard the Eastern Cyprus Shippers of Mediterranean Cargo Ship. We'll just call it ECSMC for short. Okay, there we go. So we're getting on this boat with these three and the, the crew and everybody else is probably are probably pagans. So we have this little band of Christians on a thoroughly pagan vessel. And you can read about that in Acts. Okay. Tip number one from Paul to the leaders of ECSMC. Exmec. Um, and we're going to let Paul give a few tips for leaders, anybody in leadership of, of any kind. And John Mark gives some tips to everybody else. And sometimes you lead and sometimes you don't. So this is probably something for everybody in both of these. Okay, tip number one, lead the congregation by following Jesus. Learn as you lead, taking risks with the members of your congregation as you follow Jesus into the changing world on a voyage of mission. What Paul and Barnabas and John Mark did is the norm for the church to be pushing out, taking risks, inviting others, and learning as you go. The, the, the church is like a ship at sea, going somewhere with the gospel into the empire, not staying at home, but pushing out. It's risky, it's dangerous, it's scary, but it's the way it's designed to be. Tip number one from John Mark to the members of this ship going to sea. 
go with leaders who are following Jesus and who are learning and taking risks as they follow him into a changing world on the voyage of mission. It's a, it's a learning-as-you-go kind of thing. Look at Paul's experiences in Acts. He makes mistakes even. He talks about his mistakes even. And he is one, and people want to go not because he is a professional, but because he's an explorer. And he's going to get himself and them into new situations, and they know it, and that's why people like to go with, some people, not everybody, like to go with Paul. He seems to have no trouble getting people to go alone. Okay. Paul, Barnabas, and John Mark leave Seleucia bound for Cyprus. So, here they go. They go across. It's about a 30-hour sail to Salamis, and of course, John Mark is probably a little getting a little scared here because he got to go in the dark at night to get across that. You cannot do it in the daylight. And they did not like to sail at night in the first century because they had no GPS and charts and instruments of any kind, including a compass. So they're kind of uh, dependent on good weather. So they're very relieved when they get to Salamis, and here it is. It's a wonderful city of huge ruins even today we're standing in i think the agora place right here but just it's just a a very very impressive city full of pagan kind of symbols and here's a uh, the bottom floor of a of a bath a roman bath very very wealthy and impressive city okay tip number two from paul to the leaders of this ship take your congregation on a voyage of learning about mission as you go with jesus explore the realities of the world and share the good news of the kingdom in new, creative, and bold ways. This is the very first thing that Paul, that is documented well in that story where Paul is trying some new things as he gets to to Cyprus. And he's exploring those realities. He's grown up with them just like we have, but now he's looking at these realities with a vision of Jesus and the kingdom at the same time. And that makes all the difference in the world. He's seeing the glory and power of the Roman Empire, and he's remembering and working with feeling um, the glory and power of the risen Lord at the same time. It's an amazing thing. And he's bold and creative because of it. John Mark to the members of this ship. Learn from Jesus about mission as you go on the voyage of faith, exploring the world and trying out new creative bold ways to share the good news of the kingdom on the sea of change. It's that you can sit in Sunday school classes and study about mission, but you actually or and, and relating to the world as good news. But when you do it, you learn new things in new ways. Both are necessary, but neither one is entirely adequate. Across the island they go to Paphos, ancient harbor of Paphos. That's our boat sitting there. In this ancient harbor, you can still see the uh, ruins of the jetty that Paul's boat would have anchored in. Here's Paphos, some of the nice villas. Our boat's anchored out in here somewhere. And you can still see the uh, mosaics on the floors with pagan images. Maybe Paul stood right right in this spot when he was talking to uh, Sergius Paulus. It's not clear, but we're probably within 100 yards of where he stood. And Paphos, Sergius Paulus becomes a Christian. Paul says, I'm going to go to the Gentiles now. And John Mark is probably wondering, what's going on? My leader, who I trusted, is beginning to talk funny. He's doing new things that I never expected. So I think he's starting to get a little anxious here as he gets farther and farther away from home. And then they get on a boat, and then they sail for something like 
35, 40 hours, even longer, maybe two nights at sea. And John Mark is probably getting very worried. He's getting far from Antioch, far from home, far from security, going farther and farther. And Paul doesn't, isn't even looking back. He's going forward, and he wants to continue to go. And so look at what... Okay, uh, here's Perga. Perga and Antalya are side by side. Perga is this wonderful city that even today is impressive. This was a, a stream of water flowing down the middle of the street. It's incredible. Street on both sides. You have the shops along the side. It's like a mall with a water fountain in the middle. Only this is for the whole town, and it kind of cools down the center of the city. It's just amazing. John Mark is worried by now. Antalya, which is right next to it, it's Antalya today. It's now a Muslim city in uh, Turkey. And here's what happens. John Mark is looking at all this, getting worried, And he makes a decision. And this is what he does. Look carefully from here and note the color and speed of this. That's John Mark. (laughs) Okay, in case some of you missed that. Here's John Mark doing this. He goes back. He turns right around and heads for home. He does not want to go a foot further in this part of the empire, which is going to take him even farther away from all of his comfort. Now, John Mark has made that decision. He drops out. This is a big deal. Paul and Barnabas, this is mentioned a number of times, or several times, later in the book of Acts and the letters, and they don't know what to do, but Paul and Barnabas, what are they supposed to do now? You know, how are they going to explain this to the church? What are they supposed to do? Here's what they decide to do. Probably Paul's behind this one. They continue to go. They let him go back. They go forward. This is, this is an amazing story. Now, later, they all get back together again. But this is years and years later. There's, there's, there's some real tension there. And they go to another Antioch, Poseidon Antioch. And so the tip, tip number three from Paul to the leaders of the ship I think would be something like this. Follow Jesus, not seasick members. Your goals should not be limited. doesn't mean you t- don't take them into consideration, but they're not limited by fear, rough seas, or even membership and giving statistics. They're important, but you, you don't, you're not captive of that totally. Now, from John Mark to members of this ship, I think... Down the road, he would have come to this conclusion because we we notice that he seems to have changed. Stay with the voyage of discipleship and mission that takes you into the world with Jesus and that changes you in the process. Don't drop out because of insecurity, confusion, seasickness of any kind or sickness of any kind, whether it's a longing for the past, security, fear of the future, whatever makes you sick is not what should limit you to going with Jesus. Um, Continue to go, because John Mark ends up actually doing that, changing his mind and going later, it looks like. Okay, three tips from leaders, uh, four leaders, from leaders, four leaders, from participants and team workers, for participants and team workers today. Now, what I'd like to do is end with a final tip from Jesus to all of us following Jesus into the future. The future, I think, is kind of like the sea. Globalization is like the Roman Empire. It has so much promise. There's so many people desiring lots of good things in the world today. 
There's so many disappointed people who can't quite make it. There are angry people. It's like the, the world is kind of like the sea that is both both full of promise and full of peril at the same time. It can be beautiful and relaxing. It can be fierce and full of storms. We see them both on the news almost every night. And the temptation for the church is to kind of stay on the shore. But remember, the stories of Jesus and Paul are of moving forward. In fact, the whole Bible is full of stories. Stories of people of faith moving into the unknown and seeing their faith grow when they do. Look at the map sometime in the Bible where the people of God are moving, their faith is growing. Where they are not moving, their faith is probably declining and withering, just as a rule of thumb. The more we try to be secure in where we are, the probably the more dangerous our faith or the more sick our faith can become. It's that movement of faith toward the kingdom in the world that keeps us trusting God instead of ourselves. Final tip from Jesus to all of us following Jesus into the future. And I hope with boldness and creativity and enjoyment. <laughs> the abundant life as disciples is a voyage of faith into the future on a sea of change. This is what Jesus actually promised for those who follow him. He said, no one has left behind father and mother and fields and homes for my sake and the gospel that will, re that will fail to receive in this life a hundred times of all of this stuff that you left behind and suffering and, into the age to, and in the age to come eternal life. That's the abundant life. Is, is, is moving with Jesus into new areas. This is the most challenging and rewarding life possible. It is full of risks, suffering, the cross, hope, rewards, and triumph. It is the story of the people of faith from Genesis 12 to the end of the New Testament. Jesus invites us. Come and follow me. And remember, he has been there before. He has been in, he is in the boat. And it's because of that that Paul and Barnabas could get into the boat and go towards Rome, the most powerful, dangerous, and glorious city in the world for Paul. And he goes there anyway because Jesus is in the boat. Come and follow me, Jesus said. So blessings to you on your ship, on your voyage. And let me just say one last thing. The early Christian church used the ship um, symbol in various places, in catacombs, and people of the sea used the ship as a symbol of the church because this is what they experienced when they got on board. So blessings on your voyage.